Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry, joined by the one, the only, Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. And Darren, we are fully back into it now. West Virginia has played a game. The Patriots play a game this weekend. I know I've said it a million times already, but I'll say it again. Football season is here, and I am here for it. And it is. We've already got wild things happening. And we'll get to that. But let's start with what happened in Happy Valley. Uh, we're West Virginia fans. Well, the question I'm actually going to ask you is how I would finish that sentence. How should West Virginia fans feel after that game? I know how I feel, but how do you feel and how should how should West Virginia fans feel after losing to Penn State in the manner in which they did? I mean, I, I feel like at least we, I can't, I, I can't imagine the the overall thoughts weren't or were much different. Uh, I, I basically expected a 50 point blowout to be fair. Um, I definitely was like, Oh, well they're not covering the 20 point spread. That's for sure. Um, they didn't, but for a very brief period of time, (laughs) they were, (laughs) they were keeping up, which was very surprising. Um, I don't know if that speaks to the the necessary um, the quality of the team or the of the Mountaineers or the lack thereof in Penn State, but they didn't lose by fifty, and that that's somewhat of a positive at least. Here's how I feel. You went into a top 10 team, the number seven ranked team in the country in a hostile environment in the first game of the season where a lot of mistakes usually happen. And for the most part, you played mistake free. At least less mistakes than I think everyone expected them to be there to be. So I actually came out of this game quite feeling, feeling quite positive about this football team. Uh, I know it's not the popular opinion. I know a lot of people still believe that Neil Brown should have been left the state college sheets. But I really came away from this game thinking, okay, yes, I don't agree with the decision to go forward on fourth down when he could have taken the field goal and, and gone <clears throat> like that. Yes, I don't agree with some of those things he did. But overall, I thought they didn't botch the game plan. And what I mean by that is they played smart. They ran the ball. They didn't ask Garrett Green to do a whole lot passing. And quite frankly, the strength of this team is the interior offensive line and C.J. Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Y- you rely on that as much as you possibly can. I told a friend of mine the other day, I said, if this thing ends up being a run-based offense that utilizes a tight end like it used to, this team's going places, and I believe that. Don't try to be cute. Don't mm-hmm. try to be something you're not. Garrett Green is not Geno Smith in Dana Holgerson's offense. He is a runner first. Yes, he can throw the ball, but he's not going to beat you with 400 yards passing. He's going to beat you with his legs, and he, if he has to throw it, there's enough of a, of a strength there, but the defense has to honor it. That's what this team is. It doesn't have a gunslinger back there, and I'm glad they didn't try to throw it 50 times a game because if they mm-hmm. had, they would have been blown out by 50. I thought in terms of what Neil Brown has done, Comparatively, compared to what uh, in his 
previous time at WVU, I thought it was one of the more solid execution of game plans ever, as in he didn't screw it up. His decision-making in terms of, like I said, going forward on fourth down when a field goal would have helped you, I think that was a stupid move. And that, and that really changed the game to where it was kind of close to where Penn State kind of tried started to pull away. But all in all, I feel like this team, I feel like he has play caller, even though that's what a lot of people are attacking. I thought he called a good game. And I think he really understands what this team is and this team understands what it is. And they're not really going to try and go – and try to be a Dana Holgerson 2012 West Virginia offense. Although as soon as I say that, I'll probably try it against Duquesne and fail. So <laughs> see, check with me after the, after the next game. But I really do believe this. I don't think it was as bad as what most West Virginia fans ex- will have, have voiced. And I guarantee you this. If you told them they were going to lose by this much before the game, everyone would have taken But because it, they saw it with their own eyes, all of a sudden they're pissed off now. <laughs> The the other thing that needs to be mentioned, uh, for especially for the majority that didn't watch it, um, that the 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 stat uh, the thirty eighth point. Well, I guess thirty seventh point. Then the thirty eighth point um, was scored with six seconds left in the game for absolutely no reason, other than keep running the offense, which. To be fair, I've never necessarily been against. That's that's not a, a shot at at the coaching decisions, but that was that's literally the case. It was the last right, six so minutes, it was six or the last six go, seconds, and it could have been a little bit less. Like, come on, yeah. Um, so they could have they could have came out of there only down only losing by sixteen. Um, we'll take that how we how anyone shall. Uh, but that those six seconds was just a. Just, just go for the end zone and see what happens at like the what was it seven yard line or something. Something like um, that, yeah. And let's see, they they only had uh, five penalties, which sounds insane to think about considering how penalty ridden this team has been uh, in years past. Um, now I I turned on. I think I was late turning on the game. Uh, I, I think I turned on right before Penn State broke the seven-seven tie, um, but throughout the, the 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 game, I didn't find myself screaming, "What the what the hell?" Every you know five seconds, as I have been accustomed to. Um, so just in a just in, that's I'll take that as a personal victory. Right <laughs> um, so. I'll take it. I'm. I expected a loss anyway, so I'm. I'm. I'm not as disappointed. I'm not more disappointed than I expected to be. Uh, which is, in the case of Mountaineer football, is a victory for me. Yes. <laughs> um, but in, in the case of overall things, it's, we ain't. I'm done taking moral victories here. Win the games. <laughs> uh, with Even though I had no expectation yeah. of you winning this one. Exactly. Um, like. I'll hone it right, right to the 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 thing that kind of sparked this. Uh, well, further fueled the the question here of the the tweet X posts, whatever you want to, whatever it's called. They I don't care. The social media post um, 
saying, oh, they very well could be three and one, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, hold your horses here. Um, but also, in the same breath, the person attacking goes, well, they'll just be one to three because team's garbage. Well, they could also be two and two. What about that? Yeah, let's 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 just throw that there. They they could, who knows? Um, and but the 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 being three and one and having an the, to finish off that that comment that they made, being three and one and having the only loss to a top ten team, uh, is basically saying, oh, that's a moral victory. But in the case of Mountaineer football, moral victories aren't going to save Neil Brown's job <laughs> if he actually wants. To continue coaching, um, and that doesn't also doesn't guarantee that you're going to perform the same way with the rest with with the, effectively the gauntlet the Big Twelve has been um, that you're projected to be dead last in. So take yes, take the positives of what you did well, hone them, and hopefully that translates into better performance in Big Twelve play. Um, but a moral victory isn't a vic. Normally, I, t- I take a little bit of moral victories, but for Mountaineer football with Neil Brown's tenure, personally, I'm done with moral victories. Well, victories considering- in the W column, and and I'll take it. But I am I am significantly less disappointed in this game than I expected to be, and for me, that's just a personal victory. So, considering the fact that there was a vote of no confidence against the school's president today. Uh, there very well could be a change in leadership, and I'm not saying the new president will have will give a damn about football at all, <laughs> even though they probably shook this the biggest moneymaker the school has. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that the new president, should there be one, uh, is going to come in and say, I want mm-hmm. the head coach fired. But yeah, any change in leadership above a head coach should be <clears> noted. And if WVU makes a leadership, a leadership change, then you've got the two people who signed off on both Neil Brown's hiring and his extension out. That's mm-hmm. not normally good. No. He has to win. Um, we, I will point that I wasn't – as soon as I found out about the, thing, the, the vote and as well as the vote to, uh, basically just saying we don't want the, the – the rest of those changes that would fire people and all that stuff. Uh, apparently, the board of governors basically responded with, uh, to put it as simply as possible, "Ha ha, fuck you." <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, and and uh, no, we all I expected it. The, the those who shared it with me expected it, um, and it just really goes to show how little the higher ups at the at the university give a damn about anyone else's input but their own uh which is telling because yes, it, it should care about the public it should care about the or the 900 people who showed up to even make that vote with eight nearly 800 of them saying we don't want gordon gee here anymore and we don't want you ruining uh, the last bit of standing we have as a university in this state um and the board of governors go, ha ha, fuck you. Hey, but what can you do about that? Yep. A board of governors to fire the board of governors? Yeah, uh, okay, that's going to that's uh, like, take Big Jim to get involved. And Big Jim don't care. Right. Um, Unless it's Kelly Green and White, Big Jim don't care. Yep. So that's, so that's how that's going. So probably not anytime soon, but 
the the amount of discourse can only occur for so long before the university hurts for more reasons than we suck at managing money. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's turn things back to football now. West Virginia will continue its campaign through the state of Pennsylvania and host Duquesne. If you're not familiar where Duquesne is, it's in Pittsburgh. So we're playing Pittsburgh teams for two weeks Mm -hmm. straight, one of which matters significantly more than the other. So... I do believe Duquesne is where I had a science conference. Oh. I believe it was Duquesne. Um, It was fun from what I recall. It was like right right before the pandemic kicked everyone out. So uh, right right before the pandemic was officially declared a pandemic. I think it was in like March of that year. Oh, right around the time you came back down here. um, But I think uh, I remember that actually. Yeah, but it was – yeah, it was the first one I had gotten to go to, so I'm pretty sure it was Duquesne. I literally still have the program in my thing up there, so I could look at it right now if I wanted to. But, <laughs> but I'll do that later and confirm it. <laughs> I'm curious about that now. Anyway, uh, I did not do any research on Duquesne because, quite frankly, it's the same damn thing as every FCS game is. You better win it by 30, and if you don't, you're going to have questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you need to say about this. Yeah. If you win by 29... There are questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by everyone who doesn't don't understand the contest, especially it happens to be like some years the you know runner up to, to the FCS runner up or mm-hmm. constant contender uh, things of that sort. Nevertheless, in any other case, yes. <laughs> Let's see about Duquesne football. They are they're known as the Duquesne Dukes, by the way. Mm-hmm. They beat Edinburgh forty-nine to seven on on uh, on Saturday. So let's see here, Duquesne Dukes football. Nope. I don't want to donate to Wikipedia. I have zero. Uh, I have zero motivation to do that. And there is nothing about this football program that I can find. <laughs> Great. I was trying to see if we could bring up the past schedule um, on ESPN, but actually I can. 2022, uh, one, two, three. They had four victories last year. Okay, four and seven. They lost by 40 to Florida State. They beat Thomas Moore. They beat Central Connecticut State. And they beat Sacred Heart and Wagner. But here's the thing. Look at the games they lost. They lost a 10-point game to Hawaii. No shame in that. They lost a 4-point game to Stonehill on the road. They lost 7-point game at home to Merrimack. Then they lost a 2-point game in 2 overtime to Long Island. That screams to me a competitive football team, don't it? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like this is a football team that Sure, the transfer portal kind of changes things, but at the same time, you've got a team that loses close. Bobby Bowden had it right when he said, when you're building a program, first you lose big, then you lose small, and then you win small, then you win big. A lot of times you'll see teams that lose close games the previous year come back and they find a way to win those close games later on because mm-hmm. they've grown from that. So don't overlook Duquesne. I know we got Pitt next week, and that's going to be the biggest game of the season. We all know that. But for the love of God, please do not overlook Duquesne. Because, I, again, 
I'm sure whatever whoever they beat is not anywhere near what Penn State was or what West Virginia can be, but just that's a team that's come off a win. You're not. Do not overlook them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting overlooked, I don't know about you, but I feel like Colorado got overlooked this offseason. Would you, would that seem like a fair point to you? Yeah. Yeah, I I think outside of knowing that that Deion Sanders was the coach, it was more of a oh, well they're hemorrhaging people and they didn't have a bit very big transfer class and obviously he was scrambling to do what he could. The the assumption was uh they're pretty much going to be left in the back seat and well we just kind of stare at them and laugh uh, on that little middle seat where no one likes to sit. We were wrong, weren't we? Yeah. Colorado goes into TCU and wins the game. Not only that, but it was a low-scoring game in the first half with a lot of back-and-forth penalties. In the second half, they just traded blows. Penn, uh, not Penn State. TCU scored, then Colorado scored. TCU scored, then Colorado came back. The field goal Colorado kicked in the first half ended up being the deciding factor in the game. So here's my question here. How big a deal of it is it that Colorado went down to Fort Worth and beat TCU. And I have two ways of kind of going about this. Number one is the individual game. Like, obviously, you want to you wanna back and forth battle against the national runners-up from last year. But also, Dion went to the transfer portal and basically rebuilt that roster. Mm-hmm. Does this validate that means of doing Because everyone else was going like, okay, he put the transfer portal, they... They may struggle this year while they figure things out. This is going to take that team a while to gel. I think that team has gelled already. So yeah. does, does this validate tearing the whole thing down and telling, kicking everyone out and build, rebuilding a roster than an offseason? I feel like there's there's something to be said about it because it, it it's, a, it's a matter of you've grabbed all the guys you want to grab. These people are – I mean, a majority of these people, including your quarterback who threw for 510 yards, are your people. You picked them. So, or in his quarterback's he, case, he, he made him because he's a son. He, he literally made him, yes. Um, I mean, even in the limited information you have on them, I mean, you might have had some, you know, obviously. Um, you, you're in you're in that good position to come into a new program and be a lot more familiar with the guys in your locker room than you may have otherwise been uh, coming in to a team who had what? One, two, one not very many 11. victories. Yeah. A, a, a bad team, just a bad team. I mean, the come in and says, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Get out. No, he didn't say uh, that. He said, I don't want you here. He basically said, if you won this football team last year, you're as good as done. I have, I want nothing to do with you. Leave. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing you'd come in with that roster and even threaten. It, it, I mean, Dion's going to come in with the exact same mentality, regardless of, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, we're capable. I know we're capable, um, which is great. That's a wonderful mindset to have in that in that regard. Don't get me wrong. 
but it wouldn't have mattered if you had a team that was performing that poorly. And and then you turn around and have very little leeway to build on a roster and keep commits or anything like that. Instead, he was like, ah, screw it. What's the worst that can happen? We go, we have, we go winless. <laughs> and he, he lit up, he lit a fire in, in whoever managed to stay. And all the guys he brought in on a, on a last second notice, pretty much. So I'll, I'll take it. I, I feel like you have to be a, a particular type of coach to kind of eke that out of people. So it's certainly not doable by everyone. And you don't find that many people like Coach Prime. So it validates that it's possible, but you better not be striving for it. What do you feel about a head coach? Like everyone on the broadcast, they didn't call him Dion. They called him Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get it. But I'm not for head coaches using uh, nicknames. Your your name is Dion Sanders. I don't care how much you wanted to be called primetime when you were playing. The name on the university's payroll is Dion Sanders. You should go by that. I know I'm gonna be like, my God, this guy is boring. <laughs> but I am, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, generally, you don't really think about it. Uh, well, I don't really think about it, rather. Um, but I don't really have a uh, – I don't have a good reason for or against it, to be honest. That's fair. That's fair. I, I can I can give you that. Um, I'm with you, though. I, 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 I do think it validates that it can be done by certain people who just have that simple – simply, I don't give a damn mentality. Uh, but I would caution everyone against doing it. <laughs> I mm-hmm, really would, mm-hmm. because uh, although let me let me let me offer a rebuttal to what we just said. Texas State did the exact same thing, and they went into Baylor and won by eleven. So again, <clears throat> Baylor is not TCU, but that's two Big Twelve teams that got beat by what was perceived to be lesser competition. Mm-hmm. And it's competition that seemingly beefed up in the portal, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, sorry, it, it's it does it it does show you what you can find in the portal, and and to the extent of how valuable it can be, because you do get those guys who whose whose talent would have been wasting away on a power five schools fourth QB slot or something. Um, and then they go out and they're able to find that success on somebody else's roster. It also validates my opinion that Baylor was not as good as what everyone predicted him to be. Mm-hmm. Just saying, Lucas won most of college football media, nothing. <laughs> Just you could take. That's a good day. Yep. Spe- okay. So, carrying on to that same kind of conversation about the transfer portal, Debo Sweeney has been very much anti-portal. He has chosen not to go there with Clemson. He has chosen to develop high schoolers. Clemson lost by 21 on the road at Duke on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson had not lost to Duke since 2003. 
and they had and Cl- Duke had not beaten a ranked opponent, a top ten opponent since 1989. Mm-hmm. Also, Clemson in September. Uh, so here's the question: Is is this loss to Duke? Does this signal the end of Dabo's dynasty? And let me clarify that before you answer. F- playing on that theme of he didn't go into the portal, is this proof, and therefore uh, that the dynasty is ending because he didn't beef up? He's putting up, he's putting kids out there against teams that have filled their rosters with grown ass men, and because of that, he'll pay for it. There's there's a reason most most teams don't aren't you know fielding twenty two freshmen, twenty two plus freshmen. Um, Again, it's it's people who have been in it who know how it works and things of that sort. And th- there's another thing with all of this is that as as a coach, as really anyone, but in the case of football, as a coach, you have to adapt to the landscape. It doesn't matter how successful you are if you're not adapting to to the shift, then you're as good as ancient history. And for someone who as successful as Dabo, if you're not adept, it, it's it's been made apparent right here, at least in this one example, that you're choosing not to take advantage of the opportunities that the shifting landscape have has given you, and it is starting to bite you in the ass. Um, you had a what was it? They had a horrible start last year, if I recall. Um, uh, let me pull that up real quick and I'll get back I, to you. I, I, I remember being immediately, oh, is this the, we were asking the same question this, uh, you know, not long into the season last year. Is, is this the end of, of the dynasty? Uh, no, last year they got off to a great start. Oh, was it two years ago? I do uh, remember them being poorly, having a poor start not long ago. Um, I could entirely be thinking of a different team too. There's been a few of them. Uh, no, no yeah, they got off ago. to a they got off to a really hot start last year. That's right. Yeah, two years ago they lost to Georgia ten three in a slugfest, and they beat the hell out of South Carolina State, squeaked by Georgia Tech, and then lost to NC State. Hmm. Two and two, and not a whole lot of offense to show for it. Mm-hmm. So two years ago we had this conversation. Last year yeah. they just they shot, yeah. shot out of the can in the first few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um... And, and then they ended up falling to Notre Dame and South Carolina, which generally not not uh, games to be, you know, uh, disappointed. Well, not disappointed in losing, but not to be going. Oh, they got obliterated or things of that. Sort. Right, like oh, this is not what embarrassing. A- yeah, and then uh, then they lost to Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. Um, so the Orange Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so the um. But but he obviously they haven't replicated the the um the well overall success of winning making it to the finals or anything. I mean it's been what twenty nineteen since they yeah since they no since they made it and that's when they lost to LSU and then bounce it back to so I gotta remember all my years yeah bounce it back to eighteen when they beat Alabama so yeah. it's been. Three seasons, two, well, two full seasons. I, yeah, three full seasons. Um, since you've 
had a, t- a taste of the of the title game and even longer since you won it. And it's just kind of going from there. <laughs> Playing in, let's see what they beat Iowa State in the Cheez It Bowl to in 2021 with that, uh, quote unquote, abysmal by Clemson standards season. Yeah, that was when Iowa State was really freaking good. Had yeah. Brock Purdy and uh, Bruce Hall back there. Mm hmm. Don't forget so... the Cheez It Bowl was actually like. That was a cheese at Fiesta Bowl. That was like a really good. Bo- that's a really good bowl game. I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Cheese it's supposed to be a mid-level bowl game. <laughs> Trump, they were the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Fun yep. game. Fun game to get something put on you. Mid-level bowl game. Yep. Okay, so, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, they got Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic to kind of right the ship, but. Then you go right into Florida State. Yeah, a Florida State team that actually loses into our next topic. Um, I'll, I'll, I will let you answer this question, though. So go ahead and, like, if you have anything else to say, say it. Nope. That's all okay. I got. Okay. So I, I am with you that I don't think it ends the dynasty, but I don't think it's as strong as it was. Mm-hmm. I, I think they need to make the playoff this year, and that's where my next point is because – no team has ever made the playoff after losing their first game. LSU, Which also spells trouble for TCU. Yes. Historically, of course. And LSU. Because they got blown out in the second half by Florida State. They lost by 21 to FSU. So, it, is LSU, LSU, Clemson, TCU, are these teams screwed by uh, but by, by by losing here in week one because it feels like they are now. Granted, you and I both know how this stuff works in college mm-hmm. football. You lose a game, the sky is falling. Like yeah. that's just how this sport works. You lose you, two games, you might as well be out. You lose two games, and we're rioting on campus. Yeah, especially in some of these places. So mm-hmm. one of those places being LSU. So, uh. In, in a weaker – now, LSU's going to have a chance to really do great things in the SEC. Like, look at their schedule. Okay, let's just go game by game here. They got Grambling this week. They'll beat them. Mississippi State should beat them. Arkansas should beat them. Ole Miss could be a pretty good challenge on the road. Ole Miss is ranked. They'll kill Missouri. They'll kill Auburn. They'll kill Army. And they're going to Alabama this year, though. Mm-hmm. A pissed off Alabama after losing last year in overtime in Baton Rouge. You had better be ready for that game. Because I guarantee you Nick Saban's tie will be. Mm-hmm. Then you got Florida, Georgia State, and Texas a and at home. It's a favorable schedule. But they can't lose again. That's the thing. And I feel like I feel like they will. I yeah. really feel like they're going down in Alabama, and if Ole Miss beats them, I'm not going to be truly. I'm not going to be shocked. So for LSU, I think they might be screwed. I really do for making the playoff. Do you? Uh, yeah, there's there's too much. If any, there's there's too much. Um, there's not enough wiggle room for mistakes, uh, and at least. 
two of those teams stare at you in the face and go, oh, we've got your number. Um, you're, you're, on our, you're on our bulletin board right now. So, yeah, it's, 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 I think of, of them that it's the toughest for them to, to come out of that. While we're on the subject, let's look at TCU. You got Nichols this week at Houston should beat him. SMU should beat him. West Virginia, my God, you should beat West Virginia. <laughs> at Iowa State, BYU going to Kansas State. No, that'll be a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, at Texas Tech, Texas this year, Baylor and at Oklahoma. Kansas, at Kansas State and at Oklahoma are probably going to be the two toughest games. And they're two of the toughest games you have on the road. Texas, uh, if they beat Alabama this weekend, I'll give Texas a little bit more credit. But if they lose in Tuscaloosa, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to keep yelling, Texas ain't back. Mm-hmm. So for me, TCU is like playoff. No, I just can't see it. Mm-hmm. I really can't. Although I will say this, just as I would say in LSU, although I think Florida State has a better chance of doing this than Colorado because the Pac-12 is actually really good. Did you know the Pac-12 has not lost a game yet? Huh. The Pac-12 is 13-0. Well, all right then. Only one conference has started 13-0 in the last four years. This year's Pac-12. Fun fact. So, I think FSU has a better chance of running the table than Colorado does. So LSU's loss will look better. But if you're TCU, you keep rooting for Colorado as much as you possibly can. Because the more wins they rack up and the more flair, particularly because they're going to get attention with Dion. But if they mm-hmm. keep winning and everyone goes, hey, you know what? They lost by three points to a damn good Colorado team. And they didn't, and especially because everyone's like, well, no one knew what Colorado was doing. There was no precedent. TCU to only lose by three in a game where they had no film on Colorado is actually pretty good. That may favor them if they run the table, but I just I can't envision Colorado going undefeated. So I really that at some point Colorado <laughs> is going to lose and it's going to hurt TCU because of it. Mm-hmm. Let us transition then to the National Football League, which starts its season Thursday night. Detroit Lions at Kansas City Chiefs. This should be fun. This should really be fun. Um, I mean, the Lions are going to put up or shut up here, aren't they? Right? Yeah. This if you're gonna if we're gonna be keep hyping you, you better you damn well better show it. Uh, so. Let's focus on the Patriots for now. We'll get to the rest of the NFL here in uh, in a little bit. So, the, I haven't written down as Pat's season preview, but I, I don't really want to go into, like, all every minor detail and break everything down. So, I'm just going to ask you, what are the expectations you have of the New England Patriots this year? What are realistic expectations? And I say that because you'll be more realistic than I am, than I will. Mm-hmm. Because pessimism will probably kick in a little bit and you'll bring me down because of it. <laughs> um, I feel like for, for me, this overall, for the, just you know, for the season, this has to be a playoff season. 
it, it has to be. Um, preferably a, a, a victory in the playoffs. Obviously, they're not... <laughs> We're not expecting them to go run it back, run it to the Super Bowl, um, but I mean, we're not. Y- you've you've got to you've got to reestablish a a trend, a positive trend, because the last three years, last four years, X amount of years, they've not been they've not been. Uh, Good for anybody. Even even in the positives, they have managed to pull out the worst negatives and ruin all of that. Um, staring at what a five game win streak and then throwing it all away, max rookie year, um, or something like that. It was a it was it was wild, and so that it just has to happen. Um, especially when all the other teams seemingly are getting better around you. When you you think you're getting better, we like to think they're going to get better and they're making the right moves, but it doesn't seem to be culminating. Um, but from all the chatter I'm hearing outside of, you know, from, from training camp, practice, all that stuff, is that Max trending in the right direction. The offense is flowing in the right direction. Seemingly, they've got those red zone targets. Um, All the things you want to hear, but more so you want to see. Uh, That and and, and then, you know, finding out who's stepping up for the, the leaders who have retired well we don't think we lost too many leaders otherwise in terms of letting them go to the transfer portal or the transfer portal see yes the transfer portal for yes the transfer portal for the nfl i don't like it here i mean that might as well be demanding a trade at this point and holding out i mean damn yeah um (laughs) but uh so honestly i oh go ahead could you imagine if college players held out (laughs) <laughs> and the all that would cause uh, all hell would it's break like, what are you holding out for the, out. the the, the lifetime money. supply of quesadillas you get from Jose's quesadilla bar and yes, like what, what that's you... what I want <laughs> it's like yeah that's I want quesadillas wants. <laughs> that's all anyone wants you know you, you know I take that back that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> I too I want, want a lifetime supply of quesadillas. I can do it. And I better have extra sour cream. Damn, I could better. Why am I raising my voice for this? Oh, God. Oh, God. I didn't think that would go that way. I really did. I, I really did not think that would go that way. That was funny. Continue. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. It would be wild. I, that would. All, all things that we know to be true would just be gone out the wind if, oh God, if yeah. just the collective of the uh, NCAA just started holding out. Yes. <laughs> so you you made a good point about the Patriots and that we assume everyone else is getting better. We, it, it, it always seems to... I don't want to say it baffles me because I know it's there and it doesn't... Like I'm not surprised by it. <clears throat> 
But you know what I'm talking about. When everyone acts like their favorite team acts in a vacuum, right? Mm -hmm. I got better, and that's all that matters. No, everyone else in this league made moves. Yeah. Every last one of them. Some of them we don't quite get, but they we assume they have a plan. Mm-hmm. We've given benefit of the doubt to most professionals in this case, although some people really haven't earned it yet. Uh, but we give them benefit of the doubt. So the, the Patriots did not – the offseason was not in the vacuum. The Bills are the Bills. The Dolphins did things. The Jets did things. The entirety of the AFC around you did things. It wasn't like, oh, the Patriots added Mike Kosicki. The Patriots added Juju Smith-Schuster. The Patriots added Bill O'Brien. The Patriots retained Matthew Slater. It wasn't just, oh, that happened and everyone else did the exact same thing. No, it happened league-wide. So we still have to figure out where the Patriots fit in a modern AFC, which, Mm -hmm. let's face it, the AFC, when Brady and Manning and all those guys, uh, and Roethlisberger and... You know, eventually Andrew Luck later on when he was with the Colts and Peyton was with the Broncos was a freaking tough conference. Mm-hmm. And we got spoiled watching the Patriots win that conference many times. The AFC is good. I think the AFC North might be the best division in football, right? Steelers, playoff team. Cincinnati, playoff team. Ravens, playoff team. Browns, I'm not sold on them, but a lot of people are. Uh, the AFC is going to make a pattern. The Patriots are not going to be bad. Like The Patriots are going to be a good football team that's well-coached and doesn't beat themselves. That much I can almost count on. You and I aren't sold on the Jets, but the Bills are good. The Dolphins, I'm not sold on them either, but a lot of people are. I really, I- I'm waiting to see what the Dolphins look like past mm-hmm. November 1st this year. Uh, <clears throat> the AFC West, the Chargers... Probably going to be good. The, the Broncos. Sean Payton will whip that team into shape before you know it. I'm just going to say it. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC favorite until someone beats them. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm not sold on the Raiders, but again, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're better than I expected. Uh, I'm out on the Colts. I'm out on the Texans, but the Jacks and, and Titans are going to fight for that division. Out of the 16 teams in that conference, I can only give you about three or four that are truly out of it. This is a loaded AFC. I agree. I agree. So let's just see. So I, I guess you said you had to be a – are the Patriots a, one of the seven best teams in that conference? We'll see after after this week what I think. <laughs> okay, honestly, that, I, I had that coming. That's there. Yeah, um, honestly, I based on how it stands, I I truly don't know. I if it goes right back to everything's not in a vacuum. If no one else made as many potential, you know, franchise blockbuster moves, um, I'd be sitting here going, yeah, probably. Um, the Patriots made seemingly the right moves to suggest that they can be, but we, we really have to see how that pans out with an actual game plan, especially in a home opener um, with Tom Brady in the, the stands. 
uh, well, on the sideline, really. Um, and the defending NFC champion and, right and across the, the field. Yeah, the defending NFC champion right across the field, exactly. Um, if there's a moment, if there's ever a moment to prove to everyone that you, you are a contender, it's putting up a fight at the very least against against the Eagles. Uh, obviously, you want that win, and that really establishes it. But at the very least, you've got to not get manhandled. You have to come out actually having done some damage. I can agree with that. And that kind of leads me into the next point, which was the uh, that preview in that game. Uh, it feels like forever since that last preseason game, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Guess who didn't play in the Eagles' last preseason game? Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. didn't play. It's probably gonna it's gonna be like three weeks or so since he set mm-hmm. foot on a, in a game. No, Mac didn't. Did Mac play the third preseason game? Um, I don't remember. I didn't watch that game. I, I had a game recall. that night. Yeah, I, I don't recall to be honest. Okay, well we're gonna find out. <laughs> Uh, because that's going to that's kind of my my entire point's going to hinge on this, uh, and if they didn't, well, I'm not going to blame them, but it will definitely ruin what my point was going to be. Uh, let's see here, <clears throat> schedule. Uh, come on, load. There we go. Uh, Titans, Game Center. Box score. I know I don't want to buy NFL Plus. No, he did not. It was Bailey Sapley, Malik Cunningham, and Trace McSorley. So, so both quarterbacks are coming out coming out after having a long time off. That doesn't eliminate my point, but it does change it a little bit. Whichever quarterback shows the least amount of rust early in the game will probably have the edge in swaying the game. And by that I mean <clears throat> you had better get after Jalen Hurts and make him make plays early, and Mac had better make plays early. If it goes the other way around, you're front, you're running an uphill battle the whole game. Mm-hmm. And establish the dang running game. Yes. Pound it down Keep their throats early. Use both backs. Mm-hmm. You've got two you ridiculously powerful roster, backs. If you promote a third of the active roster for Sunday, utilize all three of them. Keep let's rotate. Let's keep guys fresh. It's week one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I said before, these are two power backs who will punish you. And 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 they've got a little they got some moves too. And they can catch. You've You've got everything you want in running backs right there. And it, like you said, and if you got a third one, keep them guessing. Yeah. Keep them guessing, keep them fresh, and keep it just keep pounding. Because the the one game has always been that that I want to call it a hidden uh gym that the Patriots have, you know, because it was always overshadowed by uh, a man wearing number twelve. Um, making his moves, but the running back call was always there. Always. 
in support. And they got to keep that and maybe take a little bit more of the load if they need to. I can agree with that. Not but, only that, but let's just keep that damn Eagles offense on the sideline. Yep. It's a cliche, but it's also true. You can't you, your chances of scoring go down when your offense isn't on the field. Mm-hmm. I always hated when they like, oh, you can't score on the offense on the field. Ever heard of a defensive score, my God? <laughs> I really hated that. But your chances of scoring are always significantly higher when your offense is on the field than when your defense is on the field. Yep. So, uh, th- there's our preview for the game. I'll, but I will put you on the spot. The Patriots win this week. I don't think they do, but obviously I'll be happy if they do. I don't. I don't think they do. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go the other way because I cannot. I cannot physically make myself say the Eagles are going to win the game and mean it. I physically cannot do it. I will physically throw up on my desk if I do that. <laughs> the the thing that I, that always helps me is the Patriots lose, not the Eagles win. <laughs> okay. That, okay. That, that's true. But I will also not not be against you saying Patriots win. <laughs> I hope to be saying it around seven o'clock on Sunday evening and yeah, meaning it. I, like, listen, my my Josies have been sitting in my closet for the last uh, seven months. I want to wear it. <laughs> Give me <laughs> yeah. a reason. <laughs> can I just agree to appreciate the fact that this man is a professional scientist, and he still wears a jersey of a football team to work on Monday morning after a win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This man is living the dream. <laughs> uh, Speaking of who wins, before we preview this week in the NFL, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me your Super Bowl matchup and who wins the game. Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to say for the NFC. I'm going to throw in San Francisco. That's a, that's, that's a good one. Uh, plus, if you didn't see the, the news, uh, Nick Bosa just got paid. Oh, yeah, he did. My guy Big got time. paid. <laughs> I think it was something along the lines of $170 million. That does sound right, yes. Big big time money. That's a big boy money if I've ever seen it. Oh, he is a big boy. <laughs> and let's see. Um, simply because... I'll just straight up go... Simply because I think the... Our house is to fight Kansas City. I don't think Kansas City's making it back. Um, obviously they'll make a fight in the playoffs for sure, but they're not making it back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Um, and because the Bills, Bills, they, they won't touch the Super Bowl. They, it, they're their coast. Um, 
Let's see. But st staring at these teams, the the only other one that really screams at me is Cincinnati. But if, if Pittsburgh gets so something, maybe they could. Um, that would be going out on the limb because I don't think maybe it would be picking the Steelers it, to win. It, I, yeah, I definitely saying that going out on a limb that that, but I don't I don't believe it enough to say that they'll make it. Um, but this is Mike Tomlin, so I would not be surprised. Um, frankly, I, I I still feel like I feel like it'll be Cincy. I think Who they're wins? the one. Um, that would be a tough one too. Um, <laughs> For the sheer reason of saying I want Joey Burrow to win a, a Super Bowl, the Sensi. <laughs> I have the exact same game actually, San Francisco Cincinnati, <laughs> and. and and it's it's in part due to the fact that if the Niners had had a quarterback last year, they probably would have made the game last year. Mm -hmm. I, I really believe if Brock Purdy had stayed healthy, they would have beaten the Eagles or at least made it a closer game, at the very least. Uh, so I am picking the Niners as probably the best roster in the NFL. I don't care what people say about the Eagles, just the, the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. Um, and then Cincinnati... I wanted to go Kansas City because I'm a believer in the you are like a champion is the team to beat until someone beats them. I, I believe that. But at the same time, there's a reason that we're going on 20 years since someone's repeated as ball champions. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Like it is really hard to do. And we're living in an era now where I just mentioned how stacked the AFC is. That that that's hard, okay. That's hard. Yeah. And the the evidence is overwhelmingly it's, it's overwhelming against Kansas City repeating. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I I will say this right now: if they repeat, I'm not going to be shocked. Outside of the oh my god, someone repeated. This is truly remarkable. Yeah. But. If, if they're there in, the, in February, I'm not going to be surprised, but I'll take San Francisco and Cincinnati. And you know what? I want Joe Burrow to win it, but I feel like if the Niners get there, they ain't losing this time. So I'll go San Francisco, but my heart says Cincinnati, yeah. but my mind says San Francisco, even though I realize yeah. who the head coach is. Yeah, I was gonna say, like the the one thing working against them, what simultaneously working for them, is their head coach. Because how many blunders has he already been a part of? But yeah. three, making it three for three in any scenario is still difficult. So for yes. his sake, for the love of God, no. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. We got 16 games on the docket this year, this week, this year. God, that would suck. There's only 16 games in the whole NFL season. <laughs> that would suck, wouldn't it? Let's start. Wait, with the game. wait a minute. This ain't the, the USFL. Wait, what? 
This isn't high school. <laughs> Let's start with the game on Thursday, the Lions at the Chiefs. So what I want you to do here as we go, you can pick game if you want, but I just want to go through and like give me a little blurb on the game, what you think, just things like that. Although, like I said, if you feel if you want to make a pick, feel free to do so. Detroit at Kansas City. Um, if I recall, uh, Travis Kelsey's probably going to miss the game. Yeah, I know. Which doesn't happen too frequently. I can't think of the last. He hasn't time missed I... the game from, yeah. since injury, from injury since his rookie year, twenty thirteen. Yeah, and that's 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 impressive. Especially for how much, how, how many hits he takes, and how much he he gives back, um, it must just even out. He gives them back hard enough, or his body's like, what, what injury? <laughs> um, so I mean, th- that's obviously a factor, but uh, you're also talking about Patrick Mahomes behind there, so he'll find ways. Um, but it's never a good day when you're missing. Uh, a guy who makes as, as many plays as, as Travis Kelsey does. Um, frankly, I the thing I'm most excited for is is literally just seeing how how much that fight has carried on in Detroit. How much more um, fire has been lit underneath them. Uh, that's that's really just what I'm excited for the most in seeing it outside of the fact that it's the first official game of the season and football is back, baby. How about the Chiefs running game being the secret of the game? They've got some backs back there. Fight Edwards Hilaire, Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco. They've got backs. So if they have to throw a little bit less because Travis Kelsey isn't there, they'll be just fine. But I- I'm with you on Detroit. Uh, Remember, the last time we saw this team was a nationally televised game against the Packers. They went into Lambeau and beat the Packers, and in so doing, ended the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. This team seemingly likes the national spotlight, except for on Thanksgiving. So <laughs> I want to see how this team reacts and with all the hype and all the talk. It's going to be Ben right? The Chiefs are going to have a little extra jump in their step. I want to see how the Lions carry over from the last time they were on national TV to now. Because if they put up a good fight, even if they don't win, if they keep the game close, then I think we've proven that this team isn't afraid of the spotlight and it can do well this year. Because there's going to be a spotlight on them. I agree. Carolina at Atlanta. Uh, I'll go first here. Uh, I really think this is an intriguing game. You've got Bryce Young making his debut for the Panthers, and then you've got Desmond Ritter down in Atlanta. Battle of two young quarterbacks kind of seems like it's kind of the, – the Bucks. I'm not convinced Baker Mayfield is a long-term solution anywhere, let alone in Tampa. <laughs> so the Saints have their quarterback in Derek Carr. The Bucks have their quarterback for now in Baker Mayfield. I think that this game, I don't think that obviously this one game will not make or break anyone's career. But this kind of feels like the beginning of a rivalry between these two quarterbacks that could end up determining who wins that division more often than not. The Falcons, I think, are going to be better than most people. They believe they are. And I think the Panthers will be better than most people think they are too. But the Panthers also have the benefit of having low expectations because you just had the number one overall pick in the draft, even though you traded for it. Uh, 
there's going to be an injury for it. They just had it. So, for me, uh, they did trade for it. They traded uh, uh, for the Chicago. I'm sorry. I'm getting my facts mixed up. <laughs> but uh, the, the Panthers built a solid roster prior to this. They feel like Bryce Young is the answer. We'll see. And I think the Falcons are going to really like Desmond, Desmond Ritter. So I really think this is an intriguing game to watch <clears throat> because of that. Yeah, I, I, I think – I really do think it, it could be the hidden gem of the week where it's a game that most of us might look at and just go, oh, it's the Falcons and Panthers, eh, news fest, eh, craptastic, whatever. Um, but they, they do have some – I mean, the Panthers also just picked up Adam Thielen. So – that's a playmaker right there. He's mm-hmm. question listed as questionable at the moment. I don't know for what reason, but um, still, Adam Thielen's—he's a guy. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think it could be a sneaky good game. I do too. <clears throat> Cincinnati at Cleveland. Uh, for me, this is a put up or shut up game for Cleveland. Because you've got Joe Burrow looks online to start week one, but he'll have do, be doing so without a training camp, not a preseason. <clears throat> if the Browns are going to be what the Browns think they can be, you have to win this game. You've got the Bengals in Cleveland with a quarterback who's going to be rusty. This is the game for you. Mm-hmm. If you lose, I'm sorry, but I'm out. Frankly, as long as Watson's your quarterback, I'm out. But you're not wrong. Um, as it stands, uh, yeah, those Cincinnati doesn't even have any players listed on the injury report, um, which is interesting because even even if someone's got a you know scratch on their elbow, they seemingly are listed on the injury report sometimes. Elbow um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh. Now I'm just gonna be looking out for that one on the next yeah. time. Next mm-hmm. time one of my fantasy players gets marked as questionable for no apparent reason, I'm be like, wait a second, what for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elbow condition. <laughs> Jacksonville uh, at Indianapolis. <clears throat> I I I said it earlier this year on this podcast, and I will say it again. I am selling every bit of Colt stock I can possibly get. I can possibly get rid of. I'm not convinced this team will be worth a damn. And so for that reason alone, give me Jacksonville on the road and give me Jacksonville every day of the week and twice on Sunday, which is when this game is played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I have no reason to think that the Colts are going to make that much of an impact in any way. Um, and with how hot Jacksonville has gotten and looks to continue being, uh, bye bye Colts. Tampa at Minnesota. <clears throat> I, I'm not big on the Bucks either, so give me the give me the Vikings. I, I I wonder if the Vikings are going to do as well without Dalvin Cook. They feel like they've got a pretty good replacement in Alexander Madison, which they probably do, because running backs are almost always interchangeable. But uh, they still have Justin Jefferson, and that kid can catch anything thrown in a 50-mile radius. Mm-hmm. So as long as he's still available, the Vikings are going to beat the Bucks. I'm sorry, but they are. 
I agree. Um, th and th this is also funny saying, well, all of this, and there's been um, probably just talking heads being talking heads of people going, okay, well, Coke Cousins has effectively started to establish himself as, as um, uh, a pretty damn good quarterback in the league, but also is his time over in Minnesota? So <laughs> because because no one is safe in anything. Yeah, I mean, how many times after the Patriots lost the game with Brady at the helm, when people are calling for Brady to be shipped out and build him retire, and it's like, guys, it's just one game. Mm -hmm. Come on, not everything has to be an opinion, and not everything has to be clickbaited. Yeah. Exactly. Like again, I get it. Journalists have a job to do, but it's the, the there's a point where that you, you got to question whether you even got to worry about wasting the time to write the piece or take the photo or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. Do we really care what this guy had for breakfast yesterday morning? I don't think I'm that's sure more than five minutes. Some minute guy week. who does. <laughs> so, like, I don't think we got to be wasting anyone's time. <laughs> Writing or reading that? You know what I blame, you know what I blame for this? Hmm. Minimum word requirements from college professors <laughs> on essays. People are like, oh, give me 500 words and what is the best <clears throat> 300 word topic. And yeah. they're like, okay, I have to find a way to kill 200 words. Therefore, I have made what someone had for breakfast a five minute article. I have, <laughs> I, I have been raised to kill time. It's a a skill, but not a good skill. <laughs> this is the academic re, uh, reworking West Virginia University should be doing. Not whatever he <laughs> was, was saying. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee at New Orleans. Derek Carr makes his debut for the Saints as Derek DeAndre Hopkins probably makes his debut for Tennessee. So which new player makes the most impact in this game? Um, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Cora. I'm gonna say Cora does. Um, because let's see, let me double check my my thought here before I double checking the um. Oop! I hit the stats and not the roster. Uh, oh, depth chart. Oh, they are missing someone that I thought they had. What? Why did I think they had some other big name wide receiver too? Or did they lose him over the Tennessee? Yeah. Uh, Who am I thinking of? They had AJ Brown when they traded him to the Eagles it. before last yeah, offseason. That's before last right. season. That's right. It was AJ Brown. So, yeah, but also, okay, because my 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 point was going to hinge on that they have two impact receivers now and is it just going to be them splitting the work? Uh, obviously, that's not going to be the case because I don't even know who the... Traylon Burks, okay, I know who that is. Uh, I don't really know. Yeah, Andre Hopkins has like a million but, uh, more touchdowns by himself than the rest of the Titans receiving <laughs> core has combined. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Nick Westbrook Ikini. I, yep, no idea who that is. Trayvon Wesco. Yeah, they got the, the tight end. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, so uh, I isolate Hopkins. You you 
probably stymied their offensive production because who knows what Tannehill is going to be able to do. And again, I don't mean to say this in an attack on Tannehill, but I've said it again and I'll say it. Uh, I'll say it. Continue to say it. He's a game manager, not a playmaker. I have two <laughs> words for you. Derek Henry. Derek Henry. So, but that's going to be the great thing now. Hopkins, okay, he's great, but he can only do so much. Derrick Henry can and will change the game. So, the question is, you're now playing pick your poison with the Titans. <laughs> For that reason, I would say that De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins makes the biggest impact, except I really think Derek Carr makes the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Assuming he touches the ball every single play. And he's an upgrade from what the Saints had last year. So, yes, I think he is the one that makes a bigger impact in this game. Plus, we know he can be a playmaker. Yes. He's not flashy all over the all over the field, do-it-all do type of guy, but he can make the plays, and he does make them far more frequently than, than Tannehill. Yes. This is the game of the week. <laughs> 49ers at Steelers. This is the game. I don't care what ESPN is trying to sell you with the Bills and Jets being the biggest game of the week. This is it. (laughs) And it's a one o'clock game. Who wins this battle of the, well, pardon the pun here, pardon the joke here, battle of the Titans, really, because let's face it, these are two of the biggest and most successful franchises in league history. And two of the best teams we figured this season. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think I'm giving the, giving the edge to the Niners, but again, you know, never, you, you never really doubt Mike Tomlin. Even last season, where we were kind of possibly slightly doubting Mike Tomlin, we still knew no, it were. was Mike I Tomlin. Wasn't. Yeah. Uh, even in the back of my head, though, I like, I was always making the caveat. This is Mike Tomlin. This is still Mike Tomlin we're talking about. But eh, maybe. Eh. <laughs> um. So we'll just have to see where those improvements and uh, have have come. Um. But as it stands, I, I, I I'll lean towards San Francisco on that one. I'll go San Francisco, and I'll like, I don't know what the spread yeah. is, but I'll say it's like a it's basically a toss up for me. I will give it to the Niners simply because of the fact that this is the perfect time to make making an East Coast trip for a West Coast team. Week mm-hmm. one, you're not beat up. You can just get on the plane. You're feeling good. It's time to go. Yeah. If this game was any any further <laughs> down in the season, I would maybe mean Pittsburgh a little bit more. But I'm giving the Four Niners the yes because it is the perfect time mm-hmm. to make a long trip. Yes. Yeah. Plus, I mean, with with the fact that Brock Purdy has been given the job over a Trey Lance and Sam Donald, and Trey Lance is now gone, uh, leads me to believe he's recovered well from his his injury. Uh, and I'm still not sold on what Kenny Pickett uh, uh, has been. Well, I'm I'm still not buying into what he has been or how he's been sold. Uh, is the really the phrase I'm looking for here? Um, and I think that's. For me, just right there, that key difference. So you mentioned the 49ers' lack of a quarterback competition. How great is that for them? We don't have that distraction over this team now. 
Mm-hmm. It is simply Brock Purdy gets the guy, and there is no one like there's no. What are they going to do with Trey Lance? Who's going to? What are they going to do with Grappolo? Now it's hey, we have our guy. Let's roll. Yep. Yeah, I, the- you can't understate the importance of that to this football team. Exactly. You cannot. For the for the first time in how many what three years at this point we yeah. don't get the weekly. Who's the quarterback? Mm-hmm. It'll be refreshing. I'm 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 looking forward to not seeing those articles. So am I. <laughs> Maybe some some other team will probably end up dealing with them, but I'm looking forward to not having to see San Francisco's name tied to it. Yes. Arizona <clears throat> at Washington. Give me Washington for one reason. I don't think the Cardinals win a game this year. I really think they go 0-17. <laughs> this team is bad. It's intentionally bad. They're not trying to win. And for that reason, I don't think they do. Oh, and by the way, I'm not sold on Sam Howell being the quarterback of the of Commanders, mm-hmm. but I believe they're a better team than what most people would tend to believe they are. So mm-hmm. by that, by them being better than what most people think they are and the Cardinals, I expect to truly suck, give me Washington. Plus, they don't have Kylo Murray this week uh, for this game anyway, right? Yes, he's on so that, the PDP. That works, that works even further against them. Um, but yeah, if if what Rivera's statements uh, regarding Howell, um, if those are actually true and not just him blowing smoke up all of our asses, um, we've we've uh, we've got a guy who's apparently going to make plays. Uh, apparently, he didn't know what he was missing last year, um, which kind of makes you worry about his judgment calls as a as a head coach, if you have to head this guy on your roster an entire year and you didn't seem to pay attention to what he could do, but eh, eh, whatever. <laughs> but if those things to be believed, he's he's going to go out there and 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 make something happen. If we and and, and he might, and if he does, I'll come on here and I'll eat my words next week. <laughs> but I got to see it first. Exactly. Houston at Baltimore. Uh, I think the Texans are going to be more competitive than they were last year, but they're not beating the Ravens in Baltimore. I'm sorry, but they're not. Nope, not happening. <clears throat> as as hilarious as it would be, um, yes. it ain't happening. Green Bay at Chicago. Uh, I think this is a toss up. I don't know what to expect from Jordan Love as Packers quarterback yet, mm-hmm. and. I I think the Bears will be better, but I don't know how much better. And I really just I don't know enough about this game to actually say, like, to have an opinion on what's going to happen. I'm really going to have to see like what how it goes first. So I'm just saying it's a toss up right now because I really wouldn't be shocked if either of them won. Yeah, yeah, and and in, in the match, even the ESPN matchup predictor has basically got it a toss up, and I think the line is a one point. To Chicago, so, uh, so yeah, it's it's for all intents and purposes a a toss up. Not to mention it's Packers Bears. Those games are usually pretty good. Yeah, Las Vegas at Denver. Based on how much Sean Payton has been telling his quarterback to not kiss babies, which is just a weird thing that they like. Like we just 
we should just be everyone should just be under that understanding unless it's your baby don't kiss the damn baby i don't understand <laughs> I uh, really don't uh, if anybody ever heard of osv not a good thing for a baby to be having nope <laughs> so given the massive cultural shock that is happening in denver i'm still picking the broncos over the raiders <laughs> Because I am more sold on Sean Payton's ability to be an NFL head coach than I am Josh McDaniels. Uh, yeah, which is also funny that we'd be both realizing that Stidham is now in Denver, uh, and we both, especially you, initiated with when the hell did he show up in Denver? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was actually the exact quote I said. I yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised. I wouldn't either. Uh, we'll skip our game. Dolphins at the Chargers. Uh, this one to me is a toss-up again because, look, I don't know about Miami and I don't have that much confidence in the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to be good, but I don't know that they're playoff team good until I see it. And I really don't like Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, because <laughs> I, yeah, I get he presided over a truly mind-numbing second half from them blowing that game to the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that until they undo that, mm-hmm. that's the memory I'm sticking with, so I yeah. truly don't know who wins this game. As far as I'm concerned, you just paid Justin Herbert a ridiculously unnecessary amount of money, and for, for that reason alone, they, they've lost the game off, right off the bat. And again, that's no disrespect to, just, to, to Justin Herbert. He's a fine quarterback. He's not that much money of a quarterback, though. Not yet. He's got to have at least a Lombardi before he start paying him back. <laughs> yeah. He's got to get in the game first. Mm-hmm. Rams at Seahawks. <clears throat> Cooper Cup is out. I'm not sold on the Rams this year because I just I truly don't see how they improved from last year. Yeah, they had to do a lot of injuries last year, and that's you can't help that. But I just the continued fall off after winning that Super Bowl, I think, is real. Give me the Seahawks in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, yep, I, I don't disagree. Dallas at the Giants. This game is usually always a good one. Uh, it's, it's a toss-up for me, too, as it should be. These are professional athletes. You shouldn't have, like, a 20-point spread. <laughs> I mean, seven points in the NFL is a big spread. Yeah. Like, that's... Oh my god, they're a seven point favorite. Um, so I'll give the edge to the Giants simply because they're at home. But if the Cowboys go in there and win, I'm not going to be shocked. Although I do have more confidence in Brian Dayball's managing of his Giants than I do Mike McCarthy because of the fact that Mike McCarthy is also calling plays now. And I just wonder, like, what the Cowboys structure is going to be outside of that. I just, I don't know. So, I, I want to see how that goes before. The Cowboys are still going to be really good. Don't get me wrong. And the Giants, yeah. we're going to see if they can hold up and do it for a second straight year. It's probably having a significant fall off from last year's surprise playoff run. But, yeah. I like what the Giants have done. I like what the Cowboys have done, too. But, the Giants are playing in home. Yeah, I, I think so. Right, the stat line as it, as it looks is Dallas is a three and a half point favorite. Um, I disagree with that, frankly. I think uh, the it goes right back to the to the the quote of of um, 
you know, losing big, losing small, winning small. And that's kind of been the, the, the trend of the Giants. That, that just a couple of years ago, we were going, all right, well, they're losing all these games, but they're losing a bunch of one-score games, field goal games. And last year, they won all of those games. I think they they were literally undefeated in in one point game uh, in uh one possession games um last year if i recall properly um so this is where we we ideally should start seeing the bigger victories and the much larger improvements with this team and i i just don't i i've not had confidence in the cowboys for quite a few years now to um to really be consistent. So yeah, I, I'm giving it, I'm giving it to the giants. That's fair. Uh, one more game bills at the jets. For the love of God. Can we stop talking about how great the jets are going to be? I mean, I, yeah, I know they have a, I know they got a new quarterback. I know that. And I know what he's done, but he ain't done it here. And the bills have done it here. So until mm-hmm. someone beats the Bills, I'm taking the Bills. Yeah, I I agree. The the Jets will continue to Jets until proven otherwise, and I don't care who's under the helm, uh, because it hasn't it, it hasn't mattered for the last decade who's been under the uh, under Seno, because the Jets kept Jetsing, um, and I just don't believe that to change. Um, and I know. Josh Allen won't do it, but it'd be nice to just have Josh Allen go into Aaron Rodgers' face and go, who's your daddy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that'd be nice. That'd just be, that, that'd that, be would that be. kick in the gut to, to, to Rodgers' ego that I think oh, he needs. God. I could really imagine, think he needs it. Could you imagine the sports talking heads on Monday if he did that? <laughs> that would blow up. And that would blow up Absolutely. sports X, that would blow up sports and, threads, that would blow up ESPN, that would mm-hmm. blow up FS1, that would probably make Skip Bayless's head explode. Uh, that might blow up your local middle thing. school coverage, for what we know. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and But that, that's the thing, though. The jo- Josh Allen, for all the off-field, uh, with all the off-field stuff, like, as far as you tell, he's a saint. Mm-hmm. Like everything you see, you never see a bad thing about the guy. No, um, which is obviously what you want to see. But that it's just those humbling things, and I may I might hate seeing him <laughs> kick everyone's asses year in year out. But right, like we're building against him, and we don't like it when he wins because it usually hurts the Patriots. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, he's a guy you can root for. Like he yeah, really like, like there's nothing wrong with the guy. Mm-hmm. He's not done anything to warrant being hated, except that he's in the AFC East. That's yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. If he played in the NFC, he might well be one of our new favorite players. Probably. But yeah, no, give me give me Buffalo. The Jets will Jets, and I don't care that Aaron Rodgers is washed up as far as I care. Um, and Josh Allen will prove it. I'm with you there. Let's move on to what we learned this week. <clears throat> I'm actually going to kind of go what I learned today because I was watching. Uh, there's an old History Channel show, like two, like from 2011. It's called Lee and Grant. 
about Robert E. Lee and, and Ulysses S. Grant, the Civil War, that was kind of tracing their lives and kind of how their lives, it talks about like their lives prior to the Civil War and then how their lives sort of intertwined and the decisions they made intertwined with each other until Lee became a, a Confederate general and then Grant took over the command of the entire U.S. Army. And it was really kind of interesting that uh, they both went to West Point. I knew that. But uh, at the beginning of the war, the Union was not doing all that well. And to the point where Lee, uh, not Lee, Grant had been out West. He was living in Missouri, I think. Uh, prior to, he actually had gotten out of the, uh, of the army after he went, after he graduated from West Point, had gone back to work uh, in like various jobs in Missouri and just hadn't worked out. And he rejoined the military and uh, he had whipped a few of a few regiments into shape and he had got promoted to general. And he was in command of several forces. They were trying to, they were working their way down the Mississippi River, trying to control that area and really create a, a secure supply line for the Union cause. And um, I did not know that, even though he was the only person, he was the only general actually winning conflicts, at winning battles, he managed to take over some forts that held strategic importance along the river. Uh, his, his superior, his direct superior, whose name escapes me at this moment, uh, basically got jealous and dis- and held him back. He uh, Grant wanted to continue on down, continue on trying to march and take in a uh, uh, in Tennessee, like going to Nashville and really control Tennessee and really kind of like, hey, Nashville's a stepping stone to marching further in either to Richmond or down into Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama and things like that. And his, his superior said, no, no, you can just go ahead and. Float on down the river, my guy, and just uh, literally like, go on down the river and, and do damage there. I don't want you in here. And it was really based out of jealousy because Grant was on the front lines doing the actual dirty work, commanding the battles uh, in the battle. And this guy was sitting at his, his headquarters in St. Louis, not getting the credit. And he's like, well, I want credit. You go ahead and do this. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny how that happened. And the only reason that Grant became leader of the Army of Tennessee was because uh, this guy got promoted to head of the Union forces and got sent back to D.C. by Lincoln. And that's how Grant rose, and eventually he led the Vicksburg campaign, which we don't know really was kind of the key in the Mississippi River at Vicksburg, Mississippi. And that actually happened on July 4th, 1863, the same day uh, the Vicksburg fell and the Union took over the town was when the Union won the Battle of uh, Gettysburg. And when Lee retreated back into Virginia, uh, so the two most important uh, turning point battles of the war happened within hours of each other. Uh, actually, I think it was July third, eighteen sixty-three, was when uh, Gettysburg ended. But still, it was right. It was like the same day or the next day, like two days. So the war really turned in two days in eighteen sixty-three. So I didn't know that there was that much jealousy in the Union Army in eighteen in the Civil War. I, I that was kind of an eye opener. I was really. I'm like most people, I will watch TV, but I also kind of have like half an eye on my phone. Yeah. I put the phone down for this. I was really, I was really into this. It was really, it was a really interesting documentary. It was really, it was a pleasure to watch. It definitely sounds like something I would, I would go to and watch. Cause you know, I, I enjoy war history in general, but uh, if, you get, if you get a chance, I highly yeah. recommend it. 
definitely, I definitely will have to take a peek at that one. Um, my, mine is relatively simple. Um, I had come across something earlier today, um, but, and I was trying to look up the, the article for it again. Uh, I cannot find it, but in the process of finding it, I found another thing that I wasn't aware of in the same realm of antibiotics. Um, so the, the article I had found or uh, that I had come across earlier today was, uh, had mentioned a, a new antibiotic that, um, if I recall properly, the class hadn't, uh, it was basically just a new class of antibiotics, if I recall, uh, meaning that, to our knowledge, nothing that we'd fight with it would have any resistance, um, and uh, which is good, uh, because in general, antibiotic resistance is a, a growing problem because it's much harder to find a new antibiotics or create new antibiotics, um, because... As funnily enough, the funding isn't there as much, um, especially in terms of developing entirely brand new ones and not just recycling the same formula, so to speak, of an old one. Um, but for this one in question here, I, that I came across in trying to find that one, this was from a few months ago, um, a another one, it's called a a Boston, um, a B A U C I N. Um, I'm going to put, assume that's how it's pronounced. Either way, uh, where they've they've found that it is effective against a common hospital uh, acquired infection um, of a superbug called uh, Acinetobacter baumani. Um, it, it it's it runs rampant through hospitals. Um, and typically it's a problem, potential problem, um, for those that have had either a catheter or on a breathing tube or have had a surgery, which is huh, oh, a great. large portion of hospitals. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, and it's been a problem for, for a while. Um, and it is, tends to be resistant to a lot of the common back antibiotics we use, um, one of the bigger one one of the biggest threats of of antibiotic resistance is things that we normally would fight becoming resistance, not being not not being uh, affected by it anymore. And and one of the big causes of that, one of the, two of the main drivers behind that are one prescribing antibiotics without necessary, um, and and some of this is is driven by um, the doctors not doing their due diligence or um, prescribing it before they know exactly what's going on. So sometimes it's common practice with some things, say Lyme disease, where they'll prescribe you something like doxycycline or um, if you're being, t if, you've, if you're suspected, if you've, let's say I've been bitten by a tick and, um, and I go, hey, I've been bitten by a tick. I go to the hospital. The first thing they'll do is give you a um, a prescription for that and load you before they even know the test, um, which is also it, – it, it's it's got a reasoning behind it because um, uh, the tests for Lyme disease are actually not that accurate. Um, 
So it takes a while to get proper results sometimes. Um, and the, the development for those tests has not been that wonderful either. Um, which you think that would be funding, but either way in that. So in that case, you, you could get, you, you'll get prescribed it before they even have confirmed that you have Lyme disease. Um, before they even got the test results and um, that could cause a problem. Um, and that's just one example, but there are others where you, they'll prescribe you something and it turns out you had a viral infection and you won't, um, you, you never had a bacteria, like um, strep throat. You could have strep. You could be given penicillin or amoxicillin, one of those derivatives, um, for strep throat while they're t waiting to get the culture results back for strep throat and you could end up not having it and have something like um, just general uh, tonsillitis, which could be viral or bacterial, or you could have Epstein-Barr virus, mono, <laughs> which is obviously not going to be responsive to an antibiotic, and that causes a problem. The other problem is I prescribe you an antibiotic and it was the quiff. It was correct, like this is what you needed, and you don't finish it <laughs> to resistance being generated by any of the potential resistance be generated by any of the survivors that didn't get killed off by you not finishing your your dose, um, which is why they tell you even if you feel good, keep taking your dose, finish it, finish the prescription. Um, so those reasons, among many others drive this necessity for continuously finding new weapons against these microbes. Um, and the geniuses at MIT have found an, at least one more. Um, I will f try to find the article for the one I was initially looking for or, uh, when I saw it this morning, uh, and I'll just relay that to you as well. But that I found cool. And I... I Without leading too far into this one, they were using an AI algorithm to screen a bunch of antibacterial molecules to go, oh, hmm. this based on this structure, it looks like it might be something that could be used. And then uh, we, the, the scientists look at it and say, oh, maybe, and then they might do a quick test in a lab or something if they think it's worth it. Um, so pretty much just an AI spin to what kind of what we already do. Um, in screening things, uh, but the AI, I'm sure, can do a lot more than a human can. Yeah, thus it can be more efficient. Yep. So, found one. Look, trying to look for another article. So, either way, the premise is pushing for new antibiotics, and that's good. Always. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Uh, that virus that runs through hospitals and <laughs> which is really kind of something because mm. how many times have I been to the hospital even just since you've known me which is now <laughs> going on 10 years but still it's it's more common than what most people generally might. when I go to a doctor I go to a hospital I don't just go to some clinic down the street so you know I'm I'm in there quite a lot don't always get admitted to the hospital, although I have more than I would like to admit. Uh, but I had no idea about that because when you said, oh, I've had a catheter, well, I've had a catheterization done, which isn't the exact same, but it's still. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had surgeries, that's for sure. And I'm like, oh, great. 
Now I'm going to be, I'll probably remember this right as I'm walking into Nationwide Children's Hospital in November and go, oh, great. (laughs) Yay. (sighs) But anyway, I really, that was interesting. I had no idea. So that will, barring anything else, that will end our show for today. This has been season four, episode six of the Scientific Coaching Podcast. When Bad News Week Talk, West Virginia Duquesne, the backyard brawls return to Morgantown for the first time in 12 years, if you can believe that. And we'll also talk about the Patriots and the Eagles, and I believe the Patriots have the Jets in week two, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think so. Think. E- Patriots, Just. yes. Okay, we have... Uh, yes. No. We have the Dolphins at home. That's right. It's, it's, it's a night mm. game. Two games at home. Yes. Eagles, Dolphins, at Jets. Okay. So we'll talk about Patriots, Eagles, and Patriots, Dolphins from Gillette. Do all that next week and anything else that comes up. Until next time. As I mentioned, this has been Season 4, Episode 6 of the Scientific Ocean Podcast. Thanks for listening. Darren, take us home. Adios, everybody. <laughs>